afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the smartest guy in the room. I'm your host, Jerry Dempsey. With me, as always, my great friend and amazing writer extraordinaire, Matthew Smith. Matt, welcome. Jerry, how are you doing today? I'm feeling a bit peckish. If you peckish. really want to know the truth, yeah. I don't even know what that fucking word means. That reminds me of Stephen Hawking, because our last show, you ended with Stephen Hawking pecking at the keyboard. It's because I'm a giant chicken, and I always think about pecking and my own pecker, things of well, why this do you, nature. Why do, you feel, why do you feel peckish? Talk to me, Goose. Um, well, it's my kid's birthday. He's becoming a man. Turned 13 today. Ooh. And, um... Quinn. You know? Huh? Happy birthday, Quinn. Yeah, you know, and it's just, um... It's a reminder that... I was born to die, and that I'll probably dead be dead soon. My my son's gonna be twenty seven. I got this. I'm gonna put this into the camera, and you know, folks at home, you gotta watch our YouTube channel. It's a the Memento Mori, which you know is one of our themes here at the Smartest Guy in the Room. Yeah, I got this like coin. Um, as a reminder, and if you flip the coin over, it has a nice little kind of like a, you know, like uh, what do you call those things? A fortune cookie, with the exception of this one on the back. Instead of telling you some fantastic lie, it says you could leave life right now, <laughs> <laughs> which I I like because it's actually true. You know. Uh... I put out a zine with my brother called Alternative Insight in the next issue, uh, issue four. We get uh, we delve into Memento Mori uh, for a while. So I'll be sending you a copy of that since uh, since we talk about that often. I would like that and I will read the zine. I was actually going to buy a subscription to it. But now that I know its name, what is the name again? Alternative, Alternative Insight. What's it about? Give it a plug. Alternative Insight is a zine uh, that kind of, well, we we aim to urge and encourage people to follow their creative impulse, no matter what it may be, and no matter what other people may think about it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yes. I will tell you, just as a side note, and um, before we jump into our topic, when I was um, running and gunning back in my IT sales days, you know, um, everybody feels burnout ebbs and flows, right? Sometimes it feels uh, stronger and other times you don't really give a fuck about it. Yeah. But I remember one time feeling a little burned out and I remember a good friend of mine at the time suggested I take up a hobby. And now my, in my burned out brain, I wanted to smack the dude and just be like, oh, yeah, that's what I need. Another action item. <laughs> Something else that I can suck at. That's good. Um, but is that the wrong approach? Like, how would you suggest someone take up a hobby or, you know, I, I think when I hear hobby, you know, I think of building wood things and just I think of I don't know why, but I think of like a task, like a to do. Yeah, What's I agree. wrong with my thinking. Why am no. I? Why am yeah, I agree. A hobby to me sounds like uh, putting together a you know a thousand piece model airplane. 
Ugh. Who wants to do that? You know? You know, I remember building models when I was a kid, and then we would take them to this vacant lot and put firecrackers and M80s in them and burn <laughs> them. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny you bring this up because everyone in my neighborhood used to put together models and they were really big with models and model airplanes mm -hmm. and model cars. Yep. And I hated the idea of those things. And, you know, they were hobbies. And to me, hobbies seemed like tasks even yeah. back then. And it yeah. just didn't seem, you know, and I tried my hand at a couple and, you know, they were like, it was, it was like math and I hated math, you know, and you, mm. there's a thousand pieces and you, I had, I'd have the glue all over the place yeah. and you know, it, I'd stop. I, I, I would quit halfway through and I'd end up like just spending most of my time sniffing the glue and getting yeah. high. And yeah. that, that was way more fun to me. <laughs> yeah. Smelling the paint, the thinner and the glue was always a, a nasty trio of fun. Yeah. I remember those days. I, I actually, I enjoyed building the models. I used to build the same car over and over again. I'm, <laughs> I mean, I have like Rain Man tendencies, uh -huh. but I would build the 1966 set Chevy Chevelle Street Rat. It was Monogram yeah. and then Ravel took it over. But I built that car at least eight different times. And then my brother would build the Jeep the, with the Eagle on it. Yeah. Anyway, I, I know, could remember... I, I could remember going to the Southgate Plaza and constantly buying buying model like cars from the fifties and yeah. I had no interest in putting them together, but I, I wanted to be like I tried to be like everyone else in my class and then I was like, Why do I want to be like them? I don't want to be like them and then I would never put the cars together. So Yeah, that and that you know what that leads us to our topic, shockingly enough, is we're gonna talk about something a, I wouldn't say it's controversial because how can it be? But we're talking about the devil here, right? right? And just from a jumping off point of view, you know, humans, if there's one thing that could unite us, it's our common enemy of this devil character. That's, you know, folklore, mythology, religion, however you want to fucking uh, kick that off. That is the one common enemy of all mankind, yeah? Yeah, and, the, I, you know, it's funny, and I think the second common enemy is uh, magicians, and uh, it relates to the devil, because when I was reading up on the devil, he was considered a master magician. And the reason why is because God, he wasn't God, so he wasn't able to perform miracles. He was only able to perform illusion. And uh, let's face it, no one really likes magicians and, you know, no one likes the devil. So I got to take it on a small tangent and forgive me, please. I interviewed a girl one time for a job when I was at my company. And on her resume was listed a magician's assistant. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking at the, you know, and it's it's pretty far down. I don't know how old she was, probably early 20s, mid 20s. And I'm, I see it, like it's talking to me out of the corner of my eyes. I'm trying to ask her like professional questions and whatnot. And then I just can't, I give in because I'm such a clown. And I'm like, <laughs> tell me about this magician's assistant job. <laughs> and she was really like, you know, she was a little green, but that 
doesn't matter. She was very fun and very like, uh, like did not care. Right. She right. wasn't self that self-conscious about it. So she starts talking about it and I instantly stop listening. I just, I'm just watching her talk. And, and then all, all of a sudden I go, now, did you ever get hurt when they sawed you in half? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just going to ask you, was she ever sawed in half? See, see, and that's the question. That is right. like when people go, Hey, good question. I like to come up with good questions, and I thought that was a great question. Was she? And it, no, it was a it was a illusion. She wasn't Ooh. actually sawed in half, and and then you know, pretty much after that, we just went back to regular conversation. See, it's an illusion. She probably worked for Satan. So I'm telling you, um, it because it's like it's like um in statistics, and I know you hate math as well as I do, but there's this thing called a standard deviation. I'm not really sure what it means. But I know, like, there's the mean, which is the absolute middle of a bell curve, and then each, like, standard deviation. So, like, one or two standard deviations from the mean is within normal parameters. But then once you get outside that, and anybody can correct me because I'm probably wrong, but once you get past that, that's where you start to get in, in the trouble in, in either direction, right? Too much of a good thing, too little of a good thing, blah, 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 problems ensue. Right. right. Like too much God on the one end, if we were to put God and devil at the opposite ends of the spectrum, if you're smack dab in the middle, I guess you're OK. You got a little bit of devil, a little bit of God, you know, like in uh, Animal House, you got the devil on one shoulder, you got the angel on the other shoulder. Right. I don't know what it all means, but I'm going to let you take it from there. <laughs> well, I just, you know, Neil Pert said uh, the great Neil Pert said everyone must deviate from the norm. So there you go. Yeah. I love that Neil Peart. Is it yeah. Pert or Peart? I'm going to call him Pert. You could call him Peart. Doesn't matter. I don't think he's, he'll get mad since he's no longer with us. Do you know that? Um, I just heard this on the radio that in somewhere in California they're going to be auctioning off Neil Peart's car collection. Really? Yeah, he had all these like you know, the fancy Lambos and some of these others. But what I found most quizzical is he did not own a red Barquetta. And I found that to be a little odd. Well, his uncle did, right? <laughs> I mean, it's probably a bunch of lies anyway. Son of a bitch. <laughs> I know he had a, I know he, I know he had a lot of motorcycles. So, uh, but, um, you know, speaking of, of the devil, uh, He's been in the news a lot lately because there's a controversy that Christians have been dredging up that if you use L-O, Christians are urging people to stop using the acronym L-O-L in texts oh, yeah. and on, and yeah. because they claim it means when you do that, that you're, uh, you're proclaiming your love for Lucifer. It, hmm. L-O-L stands for Lucifer, our Lord, according to them. And Reuters, the great news service, uh, reported the story, and they went to the Church of Satan, and the lead administrator for the Church of Satan said, that's not true. <laughs> now there's the voice of reason. I would listen to that guy first. <laughs> well, you know, I would I I took I was reading this story, I took issue because the the administrator of the Church of Satan identified the church as a church for uh atheists. Mm -hmm. Her name is Priestess Serena Malone, and she said that 
that they were atheists, but I'm I think I'm calling bullshit because you know if you're a Satanist, your God is Satan, right? Well, and that sounds like you know you should always know when you're being ironic or oxymoronic or whatever the right. word you're the wordologist. Um, but that sounds like a conflict of interest to your point. I agree. And we should do, you know, I'm coming up with an idea that we should do an episode purely on atheism because my take, and I'll just mention it briefly, my take on those guys is what they really are is just anti-religion. And I kind of get that part because there's a lot of bad that comes with the good wrapped around religion. We've talked about that. But I mean, to say there's absolutely no God, I would challenge any of those genius atheists on that front. Uh-huh. Um, but let's get back to this devil guy. I mean, right. why is the devil, and I'll quote Billy Joel, the famous rock and roll man and piano guy, um, he would rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints because the sinners, according to him, are much more fun. And I, I kind of tend to believe that. Yeah. Well, I agree with him. I I believe him too. I you know, I, I think he's dead on. I don't I don't agree with Billy Joel much, but I'll agree with him on that. Um, well, you know, I mean, it goes back to when you were growing up. Did you want to hang out with the cool kids or did you want to hang out with the squares? I wanted to sit in the back of the bus and play bloody knuckles. You know, with the car. did you ever play that game, card game when you were a kid? You hit sure. each other on the knuckles, yeah. and we, you know, inflicting pain. This is a, not quite a sidebar because people, especially Christians, will pick on them since we are them, I guess, or spawned from them. But the belief in pure evil is like a real thing. And what's interesting about this slippery slope called the belief in pure evil, I did a little bit of research, is that you believe that these humans have no redeemable uh Redeemability, I guess, is the right way to say that. So in other words, if me and you think this other dude is pure evil, then it now becomes our job to kill him. And that's the only solution is to murder this person who is pure evil. So you're saying, and I'm just going to put this hypothetically. Please. That let's say there's this guy and we'll call him for sake of argument, Don Henley. Okay. And... And, you know, I think Don Henley, this guy character, Don Henley, this fictional character, Don Henley, might be evil because he's just got no redeemable value to society and he just really casts nothing but, you know, agony upon society. I mean, t- he's, so he my job would toxicity be to- is what he's spreading. Right. So, so he has job- to be stopped. Yeah. So my job would be to kill him. Well, just eliminate the threat that he poses is really kind of how I'm looking at it, right? Because what you're doing now is saving the future by eradicating the world, the future world, of said toxic fictional human being. So it's like killing baby Hitler. If you could go in a time machine and stab his mother, Hitler's mother, in the belly when she's Mm -hmm. pregnant with him, the world then wouldn't understand what you were doing. But you would know damn well that you were doing the world one of the greatest services ever known to mankind. You might get killed for that because now what you're doing is pure evil. And I think that ensues the whole conundrum that is like the Gordian knot 
so to speak. Boy. This is where confusing. Was, where was the person to stop Don, little baby Don Henley? <laughs> I mean, I would, but if he hadn't met that other turd, uh, you know, I don't even know his name. Fictionally, that is. <laughs> <laughs> let's call him. If you could just let's have, call him Glenn Fry. <laughs> I mean, if I never heard had to hear the stupid Smugglers Blues song, do you know how much pain that's caused my earballs? <laughs> and therefore, it's, and and if and there's probably people like you, so the pain spread across society, and. Th- there's no redeemable value for 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 that. So the only but, redeemable is like the last worthless evening would be the one in which we murdered this fictional character. <laughs> <laughs> so you you were you know you went to Catholic school a lot longer than I did. What yeah. what did what do you remember Catholic school and in particular the nuns because you were educated by nuns in, in Queen of Heaven right through eighth grade. Yeah. What do you remember them teaching about Satan and evil? Oh, I was referred to as the Satan's uh, helper in sixth grade. We um we collected all these flies and put them in our te- in our teacher's like dress drawers in her in her desk. <laughs> and uh, me and this one kid were just so bad. I mean, I almost I didn't almost get kicked out of school, but we made this teacher quit. So at one point I was considered to be a little on the pure evil side, but I somehow redeemed myself and didn't have to be murdered myself. Um, Outside of that, there wasn't a whole lot of talk about the devil per se, but there was just a lot of focus on how bad we were and how, you know, right out of the box, you're already kind of behind the eight ball because you're a sinner and, you know, Jesus had to get murdered for your sins because you're bad. And I just remember being told all those things. And I got to say, somewhere around third, fourth grade, none of it made a whole lot of sense to me. And I'd watch my dad. You know, he was a good guy to kind of observe and then follow his lead. Right. I He never gave too much attention in church. And, you know, he didn't really seem to. It was like something he put up with. Yeah. So I kind of followed that pay, you know, that that kind of guideline and said all right this is just one of these necessary stupid things we have to do to kind of fit in and i i just kind of took it from there i guess mm-hmm. yeah i never understood you talked about what you didn't understand i never understood the concept of original sin that like i could i'm we were we were born a sinner yeah I hate you it. know i still I, don't I, I still say fuck you to that. <clears throat> i i resented that like notion you know uh, yep. um I, I always thought that the presence of evil was, you know, either somehow tied to a person through genetics, a genetic, you know, mutation or a genetic flaw, or like, you know, uh, that whole nature versus nurture thing. Those, right. Those who aren't nurtured. Uh, um, but to suggest that there's, a devil is to suggest that this, you know, spirit could consume or take over somebody's soul. And I, I, I just never, I don't know if I ever went for that. Well, you know, what helped people believe that was the movie, the exorcist. 
until that, like the devil was kind of losing popularity yeah. and relevance in the world. And, you know, they make the movie, the girl pukes and <laughs> tells the guy, your mother does something in hell. <laughs> One of my favorite lines from but any movie. <laughs> that was the, that's the first movie. And that's really the only movie I think that really scared the hell out of me. And it, it was probably a combination of the age that I saw it, which was yeah. probably, you know, I probably saw it around 12 years old. Back then, it was on like a beta tape, and ever the kids in my neighborhood knew where to stop the tape. Yeah, and you could freeze frame the subliminal frame that was a demon's face. Yeah, that, I remember that. That freaked me out. Yeah. Uh, you know, we were raised Catholics, so like at age twelve, you know, I didn't know what to think about any of this stuff because, you know, I had the Catholicism and evil and sin like you know pounded into my head and you know the funny thing was i that so that movie really messed me up that movie genuinely scared me then i went to a, a catholic college and mm -hmm. there were five floors in my dorm and the fifth floor was locked permanently and, and no one was ever allowed to go up on the fifth floor and the reason was there was supposedly a group of kids that were performing satanic rituals and they held a black mass. I don't know if this is true or not. Let a let legend has it that one of them committed suicide. Mm -hmm. There was a priest at my college who had performed, I think three exorcisms in his life. And, you know, not, you know, not, it's not like if you're a priest, every priest can do mass not every priest can do an exorcism. There's right. very, very, very few priests in this world who have done exorcisms. And this priest had done three and his name was father trembled and he, but his nickname was father tremble. And he used to tremble uncontrollably. Now looking mm -hmm. back, he probably had Parkinson's or something like right. that, but like it fit like the whole, the whole script that like, you know, this, He's he's got PTSD from these exorcisms that he performed. But, you know, I, I do believe that exorcisms, you know, take place. I I don't know. I it the whole thing well, is, is really a mystery. Don't you think? I mean, I think the devil is a invention to kind of remove the responsibility from the perpetrator of whatever crime, whether it's shitty music or murder. Right. And, and to take that a step further, like, um, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous, right. One of their things is that they are powerless against alcohol. Yeah. And you know, anyone, you and I've spent a good portion of our lives being drunk and in the process of getting drunk and recovering from getting drunk. I got married. Um, I, got, I got, I was drunk. I married my Yeah, bartender. I think I was pretty drunk when you got married too. <laughs> well, I married my bartender. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you performed, uh, you performed Thunder Road at my wedding. I don't, I mean, I vaguely remember your wedding. You gave I me a flask, but it was empty and I never forgave you for that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want you to spill anything in the church. That's, yeah, it's good thinking, forward thinking. But, like, you know, I, I think it's a way to kind of project. You remember back in the old Bible, the whole reason they'd have, like, those, the calf, or they'd sacrifice a lamb, and it's like, all our sins are on this lamb now. 
Right. So it's really just another stupid pagan exercise in trying to free yourself from your own guilty conscience of the sins you've committed so you right. can redeem yourself and, and keep living and then, you know, not keep reliving the shitty things you've done in the past. I think it begins with a good intent, but like everything else in this world, you just people grab shit and run with it and fuck it all up. I have a good way. I have a good way. I just thought of of proving whether or not the devil and possession exists. And like, I th- what I'm thinking is like, let's say there is this person, yeah, doesn't really have any redeemable value to society. Let and for argument's sake, let's call him Don Henley. Okay. And we get him in a room with the priest. Who can perform exorcisms. Right. And he puts Don Henley, fictitious Don Henley, through this exorcism. And if after the exorcism, he actually manages to write good music, then the devil really did exist. What do you hmm. say to that? I mean, I don't have as lofty a goal as you. I would <laughs> I would like to think that if we perform the exorcism on him, he would just die. And then we could burn all of his records with him. <laughs> I'll, I'll go for that. I mean, I, I I was trying to be classy. But see, no, I know you you took the high road and I took the low road. So, you know, I, I don't know what that means. Another maybe I'm the devil now. That sounds like an Eagles song. I well, you know how kids sell um, lemonade at the corner, right? A couple of bucks for some lemonade. Yeah. You know, I was thinking just to flesh the devil out that I could set up a stand and say one soul for sale, you know, best offer and then see if he shows up. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> kind of put the bait out there for him. Yeah. Uh, I but think see, uh, in my case, he'd probably show up and say, I already got yours. You dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> you can't sell the, that shit again. Well, the, the de- you always say the devil never, unlike the church, the devil never asks you for your money. He doesn't seem to need money, whereas God, every flavor of God, and remember, we know there's thousands of flavors of, you know, redemption and God out mm-hmm. there. They all want your money, and they all have the secret. I just saw a commercial God that is said, like go ask Robbins. Oh, God. I mean, no, I thought, wait, what did you, I thought you were talking about Ben and Jerry's, Baskin Robbins. What, 30, 32 flavors, right? Oh, okay. I got it now. I'm slow. I'm a little slow today. You know what I mean? Well, you're peckish. Well, yeah, I've I've recovered from that one. Um, so I'm going to read this little statement that I pulled off the interweb. I just want your take on it once I finish it. The longer we cling to strong beliefs about the existence of pure evil, the more aggressive and antisocial we become. And we may be aggressing towards individuals who are, in fact, redeemable. Individuals who are not intrinsically, big words, don't like them, and immutably motivated by the desire to intentionally cause harm to others. That may be the greatest trick the devil ever pulled. Who said that? Kaiser Sose. Remember that? That movie? I do remember that movie. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was telling or making the world believe he didn't exist. Well, the irony. I'm coming away from this. I'm coming away from this with more questions than answers, Mother Scratcher. (laughs) Well, the irony, too, is Kaiser Sosie was played by Kevin Spacey. 
Who is the devil? Who is the devil? He's at least a child molester, right? <laughs> what, no, what is he? Well, he alleged. Yeah, I hate that word, too. You know the <laughs> fucker did it. Let's kill him. <laughs> Fictitiously. Fictitiously, of course. Metaphorically or something. Well, you're leaving with more questions. And uh, I am, too. Because, uh, you know, evil and the doing of evil is a mystery. So... Well, Nietzsche said that man is a tightrope stretched between animal and God. So I don't know what the fuck that means either. <laughs> it sounds, but I know if a bear were to eat you, he would not like be licking his paws going, oh, I feel so guilty now. I killed someone. <laughs> so maybe I'm, maybe Don Henley's a bear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, as we bring this home, uh, Let's remember the words of the anti-Don Henley, the great Ozzy Osbourne from Black Sabbath, who said, now I have you with me under my power. Our love grows stronger now with every hour. Look into my eyes, you will see who I am. My name is Lucifer. Please take my hand. Ooh. You ever notice that the fake Satanists like Ozzy Osbourne seemed really more scary than the actual real Satanists you see interviewed on TV who seem like, hey, except for the Satan thing, they he seems he or she seems kind of like a good dude. <laughs> I was drawn to the Oz man as a child, as a young adolescent, preteen, whatever. Uh, I mean, what sealed the deal for me was when he bit the head off the bat. That was thrown on stage. I was that just was, like, that, that was post Black Sabbath. Uh, well, and again, I, I did not, I knew of Ozzy when he was Ozzy. And then I had to kind of retrofit backtrack yeah. to, to Sabbath. Yeah. Um, Cause I, I was brought up in that Catholic, you know, we listened to the sound of music and, and other weird show tunes. My parents tried to raise us on. <laughs> well, it was weird. What's weird is, and you went to school with this family. I grew up in a in a neighborhood with a huge family of boys, the Woodses, and uh, uh, the older brothers all had Black Sabbath albums. So I got into like Sabbath when I was like in fourth grade. So I knew yeah. from like you know from Sabbath. And then when he went. When he got kicked out of Sabbath and went on his own and bit the head off the bat, and that's when he started making all the headlines. And I remember he came to Buffalo for a solo show, and I went to see him, and it was Good Friday. Nice. My father, my father didn't know anything about Black Sabbath or Ozzy, but he knew about all the controversy. So he told me I was going to hell for seeing Ozzy on Good Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and you were like, no, dad, I've already been there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Well, this is a good one. Let's, uh, lock it up. Why don't you have a great weekend and, uh, everybody out there, you know, write us a review. Tell us how we're doing. We'd love to hear from, we got a lot of fans. We're pushing 10,000 downloads. So don't stop now. Tell your friends, go to 1120 press dot com buy a t-shirt read our stories help <laughs> all right man peace Take to easy, all buddy. of you out there and peace to you jerry stay free yes sir bye, bye.